coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef Team Show. Oxidative stress. You do not want to be cooking with these ever. You want to stay far away from these oils, okay? I'll repeat them again. They are your corn, canola, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil, peanut oil, rice bran oil. Why do we need to stay away from them? Well, you got it. You got it. You're catching on because it causes oxidative stress. And oxidative stress, like a good picture of what oxidative stress is, you know, in the aging process. Welcome to the show from the, the MD, MD and Chef, Chef team. team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef team. And who are you? And I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. <laughs> yes. Well, then we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. we like, like to have fun, fun too. <laughs> so let's, let's get, get on with the show. Fats 101, and we're also going to be talking about supplements that you can use if you've got cholesterol problems or if you've got heart problems or if you've got both. So I encourage you to get a pen and paper, okay, because there's going to be some major insights that you're going to want to be able to go back and refer to, okay? All right. Now, I could probably do about six hours on this, but we're just going to keep it to under an hour, okay? So you ready? You're strapped in, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> hey, and I want to congratulate you here for coming today and learning about fats, and clarifying all the confusion about fats and also about supplements for your heart and your cholesterol. Okay, so shall we begin? Drum roll. Do I hear a drum roll? Okay. So let's see. So fats are divided into three groups. Fats are divided into saturated fats, unsaturated fats, and trans fats. Okay. Now, let's just go ahead and start right here. So we're going to go ahead and start with saturated fats. Now, saturated fats are stable at high temperature. And the types of saturated fats that come into this category are things like butter, ghee, which is clarified butter, cheese, lard, and any type of lard like duck, goose, uh, beef, pork. And then we've also got meat. And you know that white stuff that you see with the inside the meat? Well, that's, that's a saturated fat. And then there's coconut oil. And we've already talked about ghee, okay? So re- key point is the saturated fats are stable at high cooking temperatures. That's really important. Now, the next fat is your unsaturated fats, Okay. So fats are divided into saturated fats, unsaturated fats, and trans fats. Right now we're talking about unsaturated fats. And as you can see, saturated fats are divided into two categories. But before we go into those two categories, I just want to emphasize that unsaturated fats are unstable at high heat. What does that mean? Well, it causes oxidative stress. And what's oxidative stress? Oxidative stress, whenever you hear that word oxidative stress, that simply means it ages you. It damages your DNA. It increases your risk of heart attacks, strokes, and cancer. So you want to stay away from fats that cause oxidative stress. And they definitely cause oxidative stress at high temperatures. So you'll be hearing me talking about which which oils to be cooking with and which oils not to be cooking with. But I'll get to that in just a few minutes. So unsaturated fats are broken down into two things. 
Unsaturated fats are broken down into monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. Okay? See why you need a pen and paper? So let's start with monounsaturated fats. Now, the monounsaturated fats are things like olive oil, avocado, and macadamia nuts. Now, remember... These types of oils, unsaturated fats, are unstable at high temperatures. They cause oxidative stress. So you will hear me over and over and over again at Doctor on a Mission to not saute with olive oil or even avocado oil, okay? It's unstable. It causes oxidative stress. So don't be fooled by any of the food commercials, okay? Because they know we're teaching you guys this and we're equipping you and empowering you so that you can go out and teach the rest of your family and friends. Okay. So that's your monounsaturated fats. Then you've got the polyunsaturated fats. And the polyunsaturated fats, I'm keeping it super simple here. <laughs> your polyunsaturated fats are broken into omega 6s. And omega-3s, okay? Omega-3s. So polyunsaturated fats are broken down into omega-6s and omega-3s. So let's talk about omega-6s. Now, omega-6s are highly refined vegetable oils. They've been processed. They've been fiddled with. And you'll also hear them being referred to as PUFAs. Well, what's a PUFA? A PUFA is not because you PU, no. <laughs> a PUFA is a polyunsaturated fatty acid. Okay, but it's really not important. Just remember it's an omega 6. And because it's an unsaturated fat, when it's heated up, it causes oxidative stress. So what are the oils that are considered in the omega-6s? Well, things like corn, canola, sunflower, soybean oil, safflower oil, rice bran oil, and peanut oil. I know rice bran and peanut oil are not vegetable oils, but they're still fiddled with. Okay, and they are still unstable. They still fall into the omega-6 category, okay? Oxidative stress. You do not want to be cooking with these ever. You want to stay far away from these oils, okay? I'll repeat them again. They are your corn, canola, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil, peanut oil, rice bran oil. Why do we need to stay away from them? Well, you got it. You got it. You're catching on because it causes oxidative stress. And oxidative stress, like a good picture of what oxidative stress is, you know, in the aging process, is if you take an apple and you cut it in half and you dip one part into lemon and let it sit, and then the other one, the other half, you leave it alone. Well, what happens after six or seven hours to the one that's been dipped in lemon? Well, the lemon is an antioxidant. It prevented the aging process, right? So it didn't turn brown. But the other side of the apple that turned brown, it was oxidized. And oxidized skin, DNA, inside membranes is damaged goods. And it increases your risk of aging quicker, having cancer, heart attacks, and strokes. So we want to stay away from any omega-6s. I mean, you need a small amount of omega-6s, but hey, you know what? There's enough omega-6s naturally in almonds. So get a handful of almonds and have some of that, okay? But don't increase your oxidative stress by eating all these oils, all right? So there's naturally occurring omega-6s, which we do need a certain balance of omega-6s and your omega-3s, which we'll be talking about in just a moment. but you need less of these and more of the omega-3s, okay? So just keep in mind, something I just learned, your almonds actually have a good omega-6s. So 
you know, a couple of almonds a day, handful of almonds, you're getting your omega-6s. Okay, is everybody okay with that? Go ahead and leave a message down below. If you're not present today, it's okay. When I come back, I'll answer your questions, okay? All right. So the next... Um, the next polyunsaturated is your omega-3s. Now, you've heard of omega-3s, and we need to keep in mind that your omega-3s are your antioxidants. Remember that apple I was talking to you about? Well, antioxidants help you prevent aging, help you prevent heart attacks, help you prevent strokes, help you prevent cancer. Because they're antioxidants. Remember that apple that was dipped in lemon? Well, that lemon is an antioxidant. So the type of omega-3s are things like walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, green leafy vegetables. They have beautiful omega-3s. So I'll just rephrase that, okay? Because I know I'm going a little fast. I get excited and I just start talking really fast. So your your omega-3s are divided into two groups. One is ALA. ALA consists of your walnuts, your flaxseed, your chia seeds, uh, and your green leafy vegetables. And then your DHA and your EPA omega-3s are things like fish and grass-fed beef. All right. Now, a lot of you have asked me, can I, I don't like eating omega-3s, you know, from fish. Can I just eat more flaxseed? Can I eat more flaxseed because ALA gets converted into DHA and EPA? Well, you can't eat enough flaxseed to have the higher rates of your DHA and your EPA, which is what you need. Um, And we'll be talking about that in the supplement section about omega-3s and your heart, okay, and omega-3s and your cholesterol profile. So um, the answer to that is, can you have enough flaxseed to um, get enough DHA and EPA if you don't like eating fish for your omega-3s? The answer to that is no. All right. Sorry, I didn't make it up. I'm just just the messenger, okay? (laughs) Just going to have a sip of water. I got my favorite color on today. I go wild with this color. And I thought, "Mm, I'm going to wear this color just for you today. You like it? Cool. Got new earrings just for the webcast. Yeah, I I love doing this stuff. I just feel so mm, excited getting into your life and helping you be strong and healthy and not confused anymore. Okay, so... I'm glad we're working together. All right. So remember, fats are divided into your saturated fats that are stable at high heat. Then there are also unsaturated fats that are not stable at high heat. And then there's trans fats. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. What are trans fats? Well, trans fats are divided into two sections. One is your natural trans fats and your man-made trans fats. First, we'll talk about your natural trans fats. But before we go into the natural trans fats, I also need to give you a disclaimer. Trans fats are highly unstable at high heat. So they cause oxidative stress too. So we want to stay away from these at high heat. Now let's talk about natural trans fats, which is your butter. Butter is a natural trans fat because it's conjugated linoleic acid. So when you hear trans fat, keep in mind there there is a natural trans fat and it's butter and it's because it's got conjugated linoleic acid. However, you should not ever be sauteing with butter because at heat, it causes oxidative stress. But I'll kind of wrap that up at the end about what to cook with, okay? Now, the next trans fat is your synthetic trans fats, and these are man-made. And your man-made trans fats, um, what they do is that they inject hydrogen atoms 
into the food. And the reason they do that is because it increases the shelf life. So it can like sit on a shelf or in a can for a long, long, long time. (laughs) That's why the food industry does that because they like a long shelf life. And when you, when you put in just a few hydrogen atoms, it's called partially hydrogenated. And if it's a lot of hydrogen atoms, then it's called hydrogenated. That means a lot of hydrogen. The problem with trans fats, whether they're natural or synthetic, at high heat, they cause oxidative stress, aging, MIs, heart attacks, MIs, myocardial infarction, cancers, and strokes. I think I'm kind of driving that home pretty clearly. You want to stay away from anything that causes oxidative stress. The trans fats are these, the synthetic trans fats, where do you find those? Oh, like in everything that's processed, like crackers. We're here in New Zealand. They call them savory crackers. Just take a look at the box. You're going to see hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oil okay and that's a trans fat and things like margarine oh holy moly look at margarine margarine has been so promoted as a good fat it's not a good fat it's terrible for you and people cook with it you should never ever ever saute with margarine because it's a trans fat it's unstable at high heat so things like margarine cakes cookies fast foods fish and chips all that stuff Okay, so what's my point? My point is a lot of things. Oh my gosh, I could tell you so many points. But my big take-home point is you want to stay away from trans fats. Now, you don't need to stay away from butter. I'm not saying to stay away from butter. Butter is good for you. But butter cooked over the saute pan causes free radicals, causes oxidative stress, and you know what that does, Okay. And uh, causes aging, cancer, heart attacks, and strokes, just in case you missed that point. (laughs) So a little thing about trans fats and the food industry. Um, There is a no trans fat scam out there. What does that mean? Well, foods can have on the label no trans fats because trans fats, we know that trans fats cause oxidative stress and causes you to have a lot of medical problems, okay, that we're trying to avoid. Um, So the food industry has figured out a way to get the label on their food that says no trans fats. What they have found is that the food, it's got, I got to make sure I get this right. So the, the, the level is, if it's greater than 0.5 grams, 0.5 grams per serving of trans fats, you're hydrogenated or you're um, partially hydrogenated or you're hydrogenated oils. If there's 0.5 grams per serving or more, then it cannot get the no trans fat label. So the food industry wants to get the no trans fat label so that more of their food will be sold, right? I mean, makes sense to me. You want to kill a population? Let's do it. Let's figure out a way, right? So what do they do? Well, they make the serving size smaller. You know, so let's just say the serving size um, is 50 grams. And in 50 grams of that serving size, it's there's 0.5 grams of the trans fats. Well, then they automatically don't get the, the no trans fat label. So make the serving size 30 grams. Well, then there's going to be less than um, 0.5 grams per serving. However, the problem is nobody eats that smallest size serving, right? Right. I mean, potato chips. Let's look at potato chips. How many people can eat like 10 potato chips? I don't know about you, but every time I've had a potato chip, it's uh, like my hand is in the bag until there's nothing left in there. (laughs) So be aware of that, okay? Look at the package. 
If it says hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oils, then you know that there's trans fats. If there is a sign on the on the box or the, or the bag that says no trans fats, well, look at the look at the size, the serving size, and think really, am I only going to have that small amount? Because if you're not, then don't buy it. Just avoid anything that would have trans fats. And you'll know it because it says hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oil. So what's the take home about fats? Well, let's look at the research. I was looking on doing, I was looking at some research that's been going on and I've got it written down here so I wouldn't lose it. Um, the British National Obesity Forum and the Public Health Collaboration report on obesity that studied, that did a review of 43 studies warned that any policy that encourages people to eat a low fat diet is having disastrous effects in the world. Okay. And on our health. I mean, take a look at what's been going on over the last 40 years. You know, people have been tricked into thinking that a low fat diet and essentially a high carbohydrate diet is the way to go. And look at what we've got. We've got obesity. We've got type 2 diabetes rampant throughout the world. You know, you know the statistics. So the, the British National Obesity Forum and the Public Health Collaboration did a study. And in that report, it's called Eat Fat, Eat Fat. Cut the carbs and avoid snacking to reverse obesity and type 2 diabetes. Essentially, they're saying the snacking in between meals is what's making people fat. And because they're not eating the right fats and because they're eating too many carbs, that's the cause of this whole epidemic around the world. So their key findings were the following. They're saying eat, eating fat won't make you fat. Okay, and you've heard Dr. Mark Hyman talk about this. Eating fat won't make you fat. What, what is encouraged now, and I am 100% behind this, is you want to eat a high fat, high healthy fat, and we'll go through the high healthy fats in just a moment, high healthy fat and a low net carb diet throughout the day. And a low net carb means less than 16 net carbs a day. So what's a net carb? Well, you look at the carbohydrate load, carbohydrate per gram, and let's say a, a food's got 60 grams of carbohydrate. Then you look at how much fiber is in there. Then let's say it's got 10 grams of fiber. So did I say 60 or did I say 50? I'm going to go with 60. If it says 60 grams of carbs and it's got 10 grams of fiber, then 60 minus 10 equals 50 grams. So that's a 50 net carb load because the fiber helps um, stabilize the, the, um, the, the carbohydrate, the blood sugar spike. So fiber is a good friend. So you want to stick to less than 60 net grams. And the studies have shown that that will help with weight loss and with heart health. Okay. So point number one is eating fat won't make you fat. High fat, high, clean, good, healthy fat. Um, and you know, I'll do it right now. What's a clean, healthy fat? Well, I'm glad you asked. So clean, healthy fats are things like your butter, your grass fed dairy, such as cheese. If you're not intolerant, if you don't get too inflamed with it, personally, I can't eat cheese. I become bloated and inflamed and I start experiencing depression. So I stay away from, from dairy. Um, so the good fats are your saturated fats, which include butter, your cheese, your lard, um, meat, grass-fed meat, coconut oil, and ghee. Um, in the unsaturated category is olive oil, macadamia nuts, avocado. Um, in the polyunsaturated area, which is your omega-3s, um, all your raw nuts are good, okay? Eat them all raw, which include your walnuts, then your seeds, such as flaxseed. Never buy flaxseed ground up because they go rancid quickly. Always get your flaxseed in whole bits so that you grind them, okay? Just a little something I had for you. 
<laughs> and then your chia seeds, uh, your green leafy vegetables are your, I'm sorry, we're talking about good fats. So the good fats are your walnuts, your flaxseed, your chia, all your raw nuts. Um, and then uh, grass-fed beef is good for you, Okay. And then uh, in the trans fat department, well, we've already talked about natural trans fat, so butter is good for you. But just don't heat them, okay? So the oils you don't want to be cooking with are anything that are unstable at high temperatures. And that's anything that's in the unsaturated part, unsaturated fats, which include olive oil um, or your avocado oils. Just, Just stay away from cooking with those. Just pour them all over your beautiful salad. Um, you want to stay away from all omega-6 oils that we talked about, which is your vegetable oils, and um, because they're oxidative stress too. Let me see. And then your trans fats at high temperature cause oxidative stress, and that's anything with hydrogen or poly, partially hydrogenated oils, and those are usually in your bags of food or your or your boxes of food, okay? So think you've got the fat thing down. Um, Calorie counting the next, let's go back to the key findings. Calorie counting does not work. Okay. Counting calories does not help you get healthy and not be obese and turn around your type 2 diabetes. Why? Because not all calories are the same. A hundred calorie apple is not the same as a hundred calories of soda. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, people actually say, oh, but it's 100 calories. doesn't matter. There's no nutrition in the soda, okay? Or a cookie. 100 calories of cookies is not the same as 100 calories of an apple, all right? All right, I'm just trying to help you think long-term, long-term, very long-term, because you've got a long, healthy life ahead of you if you take control, and you are, because you're here with me. Let's see, you cannot outrun a poor diet. Well, we always say that your your body is created in the kitchen. You know, exercising a lot and eating a poor diet does not help you be healthy, okay? Obesity cannot be conquered simply by increasing exercise. And you and I have both been to the gym where we see the same people in the gym slugging it out working it out and they're still obese after two or three years of working out okay well what are we do what are they doing in the kitchen i would love to be a fly on the wall and i'd probably be a crying fly on the wall if i saw what they were doing in the kitchen the next point is um from the study is that saturated fats do not cause heart disease this is going to take about two decades to to ring home in the medical community and around the world because we've been so trained to think that saturated fats are bad. Your saturated fats are things like butter, cheese, lard, meat, coconut oil, and ghee, okay? They're not bad. They're good for you. They actually are very healthy for you. Uh, Unfortunately, Dr. Ansel Keys uh, did some very quagmire research that led to terrible results, uh, actually led to the whole obesity, uh, type 2 diabetes tsunami that we're experiencing around the world from very deadly and poorly done research. So we got to stop listening to what we've heard in the past. It's time for new beginnings, a new life. Yes, I'm all for a new life. You know, like every morning I wake up in the morning and I'm awake. I'm like, okay, God, I guess I got some stuff to do today because you kept me alive for another day. And my life and your life is truly still ahead of you because you're awake. You're alive. You're here. You're supposed to be doing something amazing because you're awake. God woke you up for another day. What are you going to do? I'm doing this. I'm doing the webcast. It's just me and you, but we got Chef Mike making sure everything's looking okay. Everything okay? Looking good. We got a thumbs up. All right. So the next thing is avoid labels that say low fat. Don't eat anything that says low fat or low cholesterol. There's no evidence 
that avoiding saturated fats or dietary cholesterol reduces heart disease or death from heart disease. I know that the medical community is going to have a hard time and is having a hard time with this, but it will work. It'll start making sense. It'll become normal over the next two decades. The next thing that they found was meal frequency influences your weight. And essentially, excessive snacking. People are snacking way too much throughout the day, and that's leading to the obesity epidemic. Okay? So we talked about the good fats to eat, and um, I, he says to um, avoid these deadly fats, and those are your trans fats, anything that's hydrogenated oil or partially hydrogenated oil, because it causes oxidative stress, and highly refined vegetable oils, such as your corn, canola, safflower, sunflower, soybean oil, and then you've also got your rice and your peanut oils, okay? So I think we've got the oxidative stress part down. And the reason we want to stay away from bringing uh, these oils to high temperatures because they cause oxidative stress. So to recap, we've got fats 101. We've got your saturated fats, which are stable at high temperature. You can cook with those. So the cooking oils that you can cook with are your lard, your ghee, and your coconut oil. Just stick with those, okay, in the saute pan. Then you've got your saturated fats and your trans fats, which are unstable at high heat. So you don't want to be cooking with your olive oil, all right? You don't want to be cooking, sauteing with avocado oil, oxidative stress. So your unsaturated fats are broken down into your monounsaturated fats and your polyunsaturated fats. And then polyunsaturated fats are broken down into your omega-6s, all those vegetable oils that we talked about, and your omega-3s, okay? The nuts, the EPA, the DHA, ALA. Your walnuts, flaxseed, chia, green leafy vegetables, and then your fish, grass-fed beef, okay? And then we've got your trans fats, which are natural, which is your butter, but we don't cook with butter, do we? Because it's unstable at high temperature, you got it! So you never, ever, ever cook or saute with butter. What you do, because it's unstable at high temperature, what you do is you go back to the saturated fat and you cook with ghee, which is clarified butter. Isn't this like all making sense now? It's so much easier, right? When we just go step by step by step. All right, so trans, back to the trans fats. Then you've got your natural trans fats, which is your butter. It's okay, use butter. Now, I'm not saying use a pound of butter on your toast every day, okay? Because it is partially inflammatory, but you can use butter, okay? Then there's the synthetic trans fats, and those are anything that's got hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oils in it. And those are your margarines. You don't want to use margarine, throw it away. Definitely don't ever have margarine in your house. Just throw it away, regardless of what you've been taught in the commercials, okay? Those commercials are there just to sell you stuff. But that stuff is killing you. When you go into a grocery store, I just heard this the other day. When you and I go into a grocery store, we're actually walking into our pharmacy, into our chemist. What are we going to pick? What's our medicine going to be like? Well, margarine's out. So the trans, synthetic trans fats, throw them out the door. Anything that comes in a box, uh, package, okay? All right. I think we got that one down. Okay. So now I get to talk about supplements. Let me just get a sip of water. All righty. Let's see. Yep, I got my little pieces of paper here. Um, so let's start with supplements and your heart. Um, before we go into this, if your doctor says that there's not enough research about supplements, um, what you can do is you can refer him or her 
to www.pub, that's P-U-B, med, M-E-D, dot com. And in the search area, have them type in the word vitamin. Have them type in the word vitamin B12. And wham, bam, thank you. You will have so much evidence-based research in front of that doctor that they can't, they can't say there's not enough research because there is enough research. The key is it's not pharmaceutically uh, backed up. It's very unbiased research, which is what I love. Okay, so the problem is threefold in the medical world. Okay, and I've been a medical doctor, as you know, since 1991, and it's threefold. The threefold is us medical doctors are trained by the pharmaceutical companies. We are wined and dined. We are given lunches. We are given trips on uranium, on uranium, on uranium, I think. I can't speak today. Um for promoting the, their their drugs. So there's a skewed, there's a, a bias there. The next problem is medical doctors do not have enough time to read all of the articles that we're supposed to be reading to stay on top of the medical world, plus do our nutrition education, okay? So there's no time, plus see the patient, plus fill out all the paperwork, plus do all the referrals. It's just impossible for a medical doctor to keep up with everything in their field, plus go outside of their field and start learning all this stuff. And the next problem is we are not taught as medical doctors anything about nutrition. So... I, okay, maybe I've always I've heard this word, this number that we're only given 30 minutes. Um, I would probably say an hour is what I got. Okay, so we're not taught that. So the bottom line is medicine is great for accidents. Okay, going into the emergency room, taking care of an, of, of an emergency or something that needs a quick fix. We are terrible at prevention. We're not taught how to do prevention medicine. We're just taught how to give medicines, okay? And that whole that whole idea is going to be changing. I am so excited to be alive in medicine right now because I feel like I'm going to be a part of the transformational medicine transformational leadership in healthcare because we've got to start doing medicine totally different holistically learning how to get to the root problem and seeing people as a whole not as individual organs that get allocated a medical specialty so i am very excited about what's happening in medicine over the next 40 years and i hope to god i stay alive and strong and healthy to help make a big change in the healthcare industry so that everybody's healthier and stronger. And the next part is the last part is medicine is great. You know, pharmaceutically, there's a place for pharmaceuticals. And what I'm about to talk to you about now about supplements for the heart and your cholesterol, I am not saying to throw out your prescription medication. Okay. Did you hear that? I am not saying you take your medicines and throw them away. I'm saying take your medicines And you can take these supplements too to help, okay? I know it's more pills, but if it's going to help, why not? And make sure that you let your doctor know you're taking these medicines so that they know they can watch your blood pressure. They can watch your cholesterol because if when your blood pressure and your cholesterol starts getting better, then guess what? You'll be able to get rid of the pharmacological medications because the supplements are replacing it and getting you strong and healthy, okay? So it's going to be kind of like a little tightrope. And then you're just going to be balanced and strong and focused and steadfast on your road because you're going to feel healthy and you're going to wake up feeling amazing, okay? All right. All right, so well, the first supplement is, so this is titled Supplements and Your Heart, okay? Supplements and Your Heart, big heart right here. The first one is CoQ10. Now, CoQ10 is highly concentrated in your brain and your heart, and it helps 
your brain and your heart specifically to have a lot of energy. And the way that the energy is, is produced is because it helps this, this, it CoQ10 helps create energy in your mitochondria in the form of ATP. Now, what happens is ADP is converted into ATP, which is high premium petroleum or high, depending on where you are, we're here in New Zealand, petroleum is, is gasoline in America. So ATP is your high, high grade gasoline. And it, it helps the mitochondria, which is your little powerhouse and each one of your cells get energy and be alive and strong and, and help you not be so fatigued and help you function. So CoQ10 is part, helps enable ADP to be converted into ATP. Okay. So that, that is occurred. That is occurred. What's the word I'm thinking about? Um, ATP is created because CoQ10 is part of the recipe in that conversion from ADP to ATP. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. So what you want to do is you want to consider CoQ10 supplementation if you're on a statin. Because the problem with the statin is it inhibits the production of CoQ10. And so if you're on a statin, you can also take CoQ10 because you need CoQ10 for your heart and your brain. The problem is if you're on a statin, there isn't any CoQ10 for your heart and your brain. So you're going to feel tired and your brain's not going to work right. Your heart's not going to work right. So you need to supplement with this. It's a little expensive, but if you're on a statin, there is no CoQ10 made because it's inhibited through a, a very complicated pathway, which I'm not going to get into. It's a biochemical pathway, and sometimes I can't even pronounce the name. Mevalonic pathway, okay? Okay, well, once I said it, I'll, I'll, I'll go into that. So your mevalonic pathway, what that does is it takes pre-cholesterol in your liver, and it helps create CoQ10 and your cholesterol and you need cholesterol for so many things in your body, for your hormones, for your skin, for a lot of stuff. We won't get into that. But the problem is when the pre-cholesterol is being, is going through this process, this mevalonate pathway, (laughs) I don't know how I made it through medical school. It's like learning a totally new language. Anyway, when the pre-cholesterol is going to be made to CoQ10 and cholesterol, well, the statin stops that. It blocks it. So there's none, no Q10, no CoQ10 and no cholesterol made. But the problem is we need cholesterol. We just need to make sure we've got the, we need to decrease the, the wrong cholesterol, which I'll talk about in just a moment, okay? So anyway, CoQ10, very important. How much is the dose? You need 100 milligrams of CoQ10 twice a day. 100 milligrams of CoQ10 twice a day if you're on a statin. Also, if you've got high blood pressure, CoQ10 will decrease your blood pressure. So maybe you can come off your blood pressure medication. Again, the same dose, 100 milligrams twice a day with food. And if you've got heart disease, like congestive heart failure, where your legs swell up and you get water in your lungs, well, guess what? We need to get the heart stronger. It doesn't have enough CoQ10. So get yourself some CoQ10. You can use this with your other medications. It's okay. 100 milligrams twice a day. Now, if you're on a blood thinner, like warfarin, dibigatran, aspirin, whatever, and your blood and your doctor's um, monitoring monitoring your INR. Make sure, and while you're starting the CoQ10, um, make sure that you let your doctor know that you're on CoQ10, and that I recommend from the research that you get your INR checked once a week for one month just to see if, how this affects your INR. And then your doctor can um, manipulate the warfarin or your anticoagulant appropriately, okay? Okay, got that? All right, so CoQ10 
for your heart. The next supplement that is recommended for your heart, for your heart, if you've got heart problems like congestive heart failure, history of heart attacks, blood pressure problems, is magnesium. Got it? Okay. So magnesium. Well, magnesium and cholesterol work together. I'm sorry. Magnesium. Sometimes I can't talk as fast as my brain goes. Um, Magnesium and calcium work together. Now, calcium is dangerous for your heart. Why? Because it causes heart attacks. How? Because calcium causes contraction of the blood vessels, contraction of your muscles, and magnesium dilates your blood vessels, relaxes your muscles. So make sure if you've had a history of heart attacks, you are not taking a calcium supplement, calcium supplement, okay? Calcium is good for bones in addition to vitamin D, but that's another discussion. So calcium constricts and contracts, increases your risk of heart attacks. Magnesium, on the other hand, dilates the blood vessel, relaxes the muscle. So magnesium is really good to get your blood pressure down. And maybe you can come off your blood pressure medications because you're on magnesium, a supplement that's natural. So ask your doctor to start checking your blood pressure. Now, the people that cannot take magnesium are people with kidney problems. Okay? So if you've got kidney problems, you can't take magnesium. How do you know if you've got kidney problems? Well, if you've got dialysis, if you're a dialysis patient, um, just ask your doctor, do I have kidney problems? And if he or she says no, well, then you're okay to take the magnesium. Now, what kind of magnesium should you take? Well, if you tend to have constipation, then you want to make sure that you're taking magnesium citramate. That's C. I-T-R, I'm sorry, magnesium citrate. Citramate is a brand name. So magnesium citrate, that's C-I-T-R-A-T-E, magnesium citrate, if you tend to have constipation. Now, if you tend to not have constipation and you have more loose stools, then you want to take magnesium glycinate. That's G. L-Y-C-I-N-A-T. And how much do you want to take of magnesium? Well, you want to make sure you want to start it at nighttime because it'll help you sleep, help you relax. And you can start at 400 milligrams. You can go as high as 800. And um, you can kind of, you know, decide how much you need depending on how your blood pressure is, how you're feeling. Um, one of the benchmarks that I use is if you're using magnesium citrate, if you take, if you take say, 600 milligrams at nighttime, if you're up to 600 milligrams at nighttime, and the next morning you wake up and your stools are very, you know, very loose, then you want to back off by a tablet and then try it the next night and see how you're doing. You're going to have to do a little balancing act. You are the experiment. You are the N of one. Okay, so can you use both magnesium and CoQ10 together if you've got heart problems? You sure can. Sure can, baby. Or shall I say, you sure can, buttercup. All righty. How's everybody doing? You okay? Hanging in there with me? High five. High five, high five, high five. Why not? Let's do a high five. Bam. High five. High five. (laughs) Okay, now we're coming to a landing here. Let's see. What supplements to use for cholesterol? Well, the first, there's two supplements that we recommend. One is niacin. Now, niacin is a vitamin B. Um, B2, vitamin B2. And what it does is it decreases your triglycerides, 
decreases your LDLB, which is your bad LDL, and it increases your HDL, which is the good part of your cholesterol profile. The problem with niacin is it can cause hepatotoxicity. And that means liver. Hepato is liver. Hepatotoxicity. Liver toxicity. Because your liver has to work really hard using this. But it's only found if you use the sustained released form of niacin. Hence, you will not be using sustained release niacin on my shift, okay? So... What you want to do is if you've got cholesterol problems and you don't want to be on a statin, you tell your doctor, I would like to do the, I'd like to do a trial of niacin and you can use niacin, but it cannot be sustained release. And you've got to make sure that you don't have liver failure. If you're a liver failure patient, then you're not a good candidate for niacin. I'm sorry. You're just not. All right. Also, um, if you've got any type of problems with your liver, just be very careful and let your doctor know about this. Now, all most, I shouldn't say all, but most type 2 diabetics or type 1 diabetics and type 1 diabetics do have elevated liver function tests. That's just what we find uh, with diabetes. So just talk to your doctor and say, I really want to give this a trial and see how it affects my cholesterol. And I've had great success with my patients on niacin. So what's the dose? Well, first of all, you want to make sure you take a little baby aspirin every day when you're taking the niacin because it can cause prickliness. Um, it can, what it does is it uh, dilates your blood vessels so you can get really flushed and your skin gets a little itchy, but that's all prevented by taking a little baby aspirin. So you take a little 100 milligram baby aspirin and you want to increase the niacin weekly. And so the first week you want to take 100 milligrams, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for one week. Then the next week you want to increase it to 200 milligrams, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then the third week, 300 milligrams, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Then the fourth week, 400 milligrams breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then the fifth week, all the way through the 12th week, you increase it by 100 milligrams until you get to three grams per day. Um, anything greater than three grams a day is where we see liver, liver problems, okay? So we've got to keep it under three grams. Then what you want to do is you want to stop the niacin for five days, do your blood test, but it's got to be fasting cholesterol, fasting, 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 meaning no food for eight to 10 hours before your blood test. And then you get your cholesterol profile. And then you see your triglycerides are going to be decreased. Your LDLB is going to be decreased, which is a good thing. You want your triglycerides and your LDLB down because those are deadly. And you want to, and you'll see a higher, you'll see an improvement in your HDL. Another thing that you're going to see an improvement in is, is your triglyceride and your HDL ratio, your triglyceride and HDL ratio. And that's going to be less than two. That's the goal, having it less than two. And that really is a good profile for um, good heart health. Okay. So tell your doctor you're doing this so that they can follow your liver function test. And the reason we stop this five days before um, you check your blood, your fasting lipids, is because your liver function enzymes are going to be elevated. And if you just look at that number, um, it's going to be exceptionally high because your liver is working hard at um, working with the, the niacin. Okay, so just stop it for five days, and then you'll see a baseline of what your, your liver really looks like. All right, number two supplement that you can use with cholesterol is your omega-3s. Okay, now your omega-3s are beautiful. They've got a great profile. What they do is they decrease your triglycerides, they decrease your blood pressure, and there is hardcore evidence 
that it decreases your death from heart attacks. Hardcore evidence. So omega-3s are great. The dose is one to three grams. No, I'm sorry, one to two grams. Take it at nighttime. And one to two grams needs to be uh, consisting of your EPA and your DHA component, EPA and DHA component, okay, of the omega-3. Because remember, omega-3 are ALA, DHA, and EPA. Well, it's your DHA and your DHA and your EPA that are the, the active component to help prevent your heart problems, to help your heart, okay? All right. Uh, let's see. And you can use it even if you're on statins. So you can use omega-3s if you're on statins. And you can use omega-3s if you're on um, uh, anticoagulants, right? like your warfarin, dabigatran, aspirin. Just do the same thing that we had to do with your CoQ10. You want to let your doctor know you're on omega-3s. You've got to get your INR checked weekly for four weeks. And that way you'll, the doctor, your doctor will be able to see if your INR is being changed by the omega-3. And if it is, then he or she can decrease or increase your um, anticoagulants, okay? Now, why do you want to take an omega-3? Because it helps improve your cholesterol profile. So you've got two options to improve your cholesterol profile. You've got your niacin and you've got your fish oil. Okay, so you can do one or two, one of those. All right, so the next and the last session that I wanted to talk to you about is which supplements do you use for your heart and your cholesterol? Well, there's two more that you can add. Um, if you've got heart problems, I recommend the CoQ10 and the magnesium. Very important. And if you've got cholesterol problems, I recommend either the niacin or the fish oil. You don't need both. Um, let me see. Um, actually, I take that back. You can use the niacin. I do recall this now. You can use the niacin and the fish oil because if you look at it, your niacin and your fish oil are going to decrease your triglyceride in your cholesterol profile. However, it's the niacin that's going to decrease your LDL-B, which is the bad one, the bad LDL, and it will increase your HDL. However, the fish oil doesn't really affect your LDL-Bs, and it doesn't really affect your HDL. Its main focus is, is on the triglycerides from the research that I've reviewed. So for your cholesterol, you can use the niacin and the fish oil if you can tolerate the niacin. Now, again, if you've got heart and cholesterol problems united, then you can also add the resveratrol. And resveratrol here, let's see. Resveratrol. And you know resveratrol from red wine. Yes. However, you can't drink enough red wine every day. And stay alive <laughs> um, and get the amount of resveratrol that you need. So what you want to be doing is taking a dose of 30 to 200 milligrams of trans resveratrol. You need to make sure it's trans resveratrol because it's the trans part of the resveratrol that is the active component. Very important. Make sure you're getting trans. Underline that. Trans. T-R-A-N-S. Trans. Resveratrol, okay? Now, resveratrol is beautiful because it makes your blood vessels nice and elastic, and it decreases your blood clot risk, and it decreases your LDLB, and it increases your HDL. Holy moly, what a resume. I love this stuff. I take it every day. And it also helps your mitochondria help you stay young and bouncy and ready to dance. Okay, so resveratrol is your next best friend. So the dose is 30 to 200 milligrams of trans resveratrol. I always recommend doing it twice a day. So split it up. All right. So and then the next and the last supplement for people with heart problems and cholesterol is cacao. Yum, cacao. 
Now, as you know, cacao is in the dark chocolate family, and it is beautiful because it helps increase blood flow to your body, and it decreases clotting. And the reason we focus so much on clotting in the healthcare field is because um, clotting blocks your blood vessel from getting blood to your brain, blood to your heart. If it stops blood, if you've got a clot in your brain, so there's no blood going to your brain, guess what? You get a stroke. No blood going to your heart because of a clot, you have a heart attack. Okay? No no blood going to the tips of your finger because there's a clot. Well, then you get gangrene to your feet and fingers. Okay? So we want to prevent clotting. And cacao does just that. This natural little product, cacao. And all you need is to make sure you're having two squares of dark chocolate that's greater than 70% to help you have bouncy blood vessels, decrease your blood blood pressure, and decrease your risk of blood clots. And you can also get it in supplement form. Okay? So cacao. Woof! That is a lot of supplements, I know, but look, why not? Why not pay for it now and take your supplements and stay healthy instead of being on pharmaceuticals or maybe coming off of some of your pharmaceuticals because of all the side effect profiles? It's totally up to you. I am an integrative medical doctor, and I'm into incorporating the big picture. And if you want to come off some of your medications, we can do that, but it's going to take time. It's not just done like that, okay? It's done with time. Hello, Chef Michael here. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review.